Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hello, I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We are live Q&Aing right now, talking about spirited and sensitive kids, how we can show up and grow up. We want to talk about praise, Mm. judgment. We want to talk about resistance to transitions like summer school, fun stuff like that. Camp, grandmas, all this stuff. What's going on, everyone? We've got about half an hour tonight, a little bit quicker this evening. We want to hear what's going on with you. Type a little something. What are you struggling with? How are your sensitive and spirited kids pushing you to the brink of learning? Of the brink. Oh, sanity. Oh, yeah. Or, no, yeah. screaming, yes. yelling. <laughs> um, basically diving into that kind of, uh, I feel like this is tapping our stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Diving into our control toolbox of consequences on my terms, now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking. Our all, go-to. Timeouts. Yeah. All that shit we don't have to do. Right. Right. Do not have to do it. Instead, we can be working on our alignment. <laughs> the brightness is so okay. hard. We got to get it back. What's going on? Whew. Aligning our progressive ideals, right? What we believe in in terms of respectful human beings. What we believe in in terms of like using our power and privilege for good, mm-hmm. and bringing that into the parent-child relationship to actually teach, to actually right. model the behaviors that we want our kids to be adopting and learning, especially mm-hmm. as privileged white people. Yeah. Those are the goals. We've got a lot of goals. Surviving the day is one of them. We want to help mm-hmm. you survive tomorrow. Right. What's going on with you? Someone said, spirited kid has mellowed out so much. I barely recognize him. And now I'm a little sad. I wished him away. Aww. Where'd he go? You know Where'd what? He we, go? Has he been overly socialized? 
or his needs have they gone dormant? They're not coming up anymore. It, that actually came up in our uh, one of our Spirited Kids Club groups this evening. Mm. Small group coaching that we're doing. You can sign up for it on our website for August. So check it out. There are only eight spots and they're going fast. But someone said, oh, I, I kind of, my son said something. And I said, don't say that. Or Ugh, don't, not to me or something like that. That yep, just yep, yep, yep. shut it down. Right. And instead of his normal spirited, like, well, I'm going to take it up to the next notch then, or I'm just going to keep going, or, well, you didn't like that? How about this thing? Mm-hmm. He actually apologized. He was like, oh, that sorry, was, mama. Oh. And that was very yeah. distressing to this mom in a similar way. Those mm-hmm. moments that we realize, ooh, maybe we're making some headway in socializing our kids and getting them um, to say things in a little bit more of an adaptive, respectful, Jesus Christ, um, the light's weird tonight way how is that then maybe stuffing down those feelings stopping Mm -hmm. that attunement Mm -hmm. pushing away a connection not just between us but between them and themselves to what they're needing or what they're going through if we're always focusing on our kids words and behaviors and stopping those and controlling those we're right eventually they will go away but what will have happened with the underlying needs that we were not paying attention to that we were not helping attune to and telling our kid that it was okay, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's really tricky. So that's why we want to be so sensitive and careful when our kids show us these big feelings and challenging behaviors because when we say, no, don't do that, don't say that, we're also actually uh, saying also, don't feel that, don't be that, don't tell that or show that to me, mm-hmm. right? So we want to be very careful with, with how we're supporting our kids as they're learning to use more adaptive words and behaviors but, to meet their needs. Yeah, but how do they learn is the question. And yeah. that's a question that comes up a lot because we think automatically our job as parents is to say, not like that, like this. You can't say this. You've got to choose other words. Mm-hmm. You can't move through the world in this way. I need you to X, Y, Z to conform, to obey, to all the things. Yeah. And what we talk about at Upbringing so much is using those powers beyond control thinking about our influence, think of the way we model, thinking of those conversations, those circle backs, those storytellings, um, all of the things that can teach less explicitly and a little bit more implicitly that might be actually contributing to a deeper value regarding whatever the thing is, while at the same time not extinguishing that spark, that beautiful resistance, like this parent said, that they love. I think a lot of us think, oh, thinking back to our kid when they were a little firecracker, I kind of miss that about them. Well, let's think about it with any of our kids. Mm -hmm. I think from birth, kids are beautifully um, and authentically communicating their needs, and babies Mm -hmm. cry. They don't think, oh, is this appropriate to cry this moment? Uh-huh. There's no socialization whatsoever for babies because survival is a must. And then little by little by little, the more kind of healthy and uh, independent and safe and secure our babies become, right, the more they're, they're maybe not as, as, as obvious or as like wild with their stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of our conditioning. We tell them, you can't just say what you need anymore because I don't like the way it sounds or because it might infuriate or embarrass or it might mean that you'll always do it or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. So gosh, we gotta, we gotta recognize we have to respect our kids' current ways of communicating. We cannot take that shit personally. Mm -hmm. We cannot get all fragile about it. We don't have to future spiral about it. We can just say, this is how they're communicating their needs to me today. Okay. It's okay. And consider consider this your permission to, tune in or blow off or let go 
or step out of the room when your kid is doing or saying something that you want to just clamp down and control or shame or blame. We give you that permission, right? To say it's all coming from a good place. They're just trying to meet their needs. Just like when they were a baby. Now they're doing it as a four-year-old or a two-year-old or an eight-year-old with the skills Mm -hmm. they currently have. So instead of focusing on the way they're doing it that we don't like, let's build the attunement and the awareness and say, how's it going for you? What do you need? Or translate, oh, you sound really frustrated or you Mm -hmm. want this instead of that or whatever it is. That's where the learning is, not what to say or what not to say, what to do, not what to do. But how's it going for you? What's happening with you? It's kind of a big, like, pressure off that we talk often about how like if we don't have to be controlling our kids behaviors and words all the time and we can just be their like co-pilot how nice is that just being like okay let's just explore together (laughs) that sounds amazing compared to being in charge and being in control and dominating all the things yeah someone says how do you know when to push and encourage and when to just listen and accept where kids are at yeah i think we we always recommend accepting, listening where kids are at. Absolutely. don't push and encourage any of those things, right? I think that pushing and encouraging, the best way to do that is to just create security around whatever they're struggling with or whatever we want to be promoting. So if we want to be promoting contributions around the home, cleaning up their own shit, we create security around that. Safety, positive association, creativity, good modeling. If we want them to learn about hygiene or homework, or any of those things, pushing it is not going to teach them how to fundamentally understand it and mm-hmm. keep it going in a realistic way. Yeah. And I think that we we tend to think instinctually that encouragement is that pushing, but it's just control. That, but you're fine. But you can <laughs> do it. But I know it's you. Let's do this. And I think we can be encouraging from that other side. We can be encouraging by saying, "You know yourself best." Or we can be encouraging by saying, I see what you're doing. Or we can be encouraging by saying, I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. There's so many ways to be be encouraging. Say, that was hard for you. How did that go? Instead of lecturing about it. Encouraging in a side-by-side perspective, I think what you're saying, Mm -hmm. Kelsey, is saying we don't have to encourage as the person above them, as the person ahead of them, as the person that knows them better than they know themselves. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we want to be encouraging our kids in their nourishment and their sleep and their schoolwork and their play and their feelings and self-regulation and all of these things in their relationships. Mm -hmm. We want to be encouraging it in a a way based in trust, not distrust. Not distrust, I know better than you, but trust saying, you know yourself and I'm here to support you, attuning to you. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to do best and feel best. Check out our Freedoms Model and Resist Approach, which are available for free download on our website. Um, for those resistant moments or for those moments of when do I push? When do I let go? What's my responsibility? What are my expectations versus mm-hmm. this little person's life? Yeah. How do we overlap? How do we interact? How do how should those yeah. things go? How can we create a beautiful dance and experience mm-hmm. from my expectations and agenda yeah. and needs That's and their expectations and agenda right. and needs, which become stronger as they yeah. get older. That's what we're talking about so much in our uh, small coaching groups, mm-hmm. the Spirited Kids Club is... Where does their freedom end and my responsibility begin or my responsibility end and their personal freedom begin? Mm-hmm. Who's carrying the power here? If it's about their body or their learning or their growth, mm-hmm. how do I do that? That fine dance where I'm not mm-hmm. disrespecting them, but I'm also supporting them in the way they need it. Mm-hmm. Someone else mentioned their kids are jumping on all the things mm-hmm. and how to make it stop. 
And I think that, I mean, we have to remember, so jumping on all the things, behaviors, information, feeling all big words are information. So it sounds like they need to be jumping or it sounds like they need to get out and about, right? What's, what are, what are they communicating with that jumping? Mm-hmm. Let's connect with them about it. Do get them some other jumping options. Do you want to go right? live with someone asked to be in our video? Sure. Maybe it was on purpose. Sometimes it's accidental. The ceiling or a little, a little kid finger on the, mm-hmm. on there. We'll see if it was meant for a real. Yeah. It's a ceiling. It's a ceiling. Is anyone there? Hello? Do you want to go live and connect with us? I think there's probably an X or something you can hit if you don't want to connect with us. But we're here if you want to talk about anything. <laughs> They're probably just listening and they got. That's cool. cool. They got uh, kid kid buttoned, you know. Mm-hmm. What did someone else say Oh, we got a bunch of oh, stuff. Oh, gosh. Got to dive in here. Let me see. Amy Lisi was talking about, I kind of want to stick on the, the freedoms mm. thing and the praise oh, thing before okay. we dive into this, though. We did a side-by-side today about raising self-confident kids, and uh, the topic of praise came up so much. Mm-hmm. I think very often uh, we work with parents or parents contact us who say, like, I know I'm struggling with this whole discipline thing, and there's a lot of kind of negative energy in our house around mistakes and behaviors and big feelings and things, but I'm pretty sure I'm nailing the praise thing because I'm building them up and making them feel so good in their play and their work and their dress and their choices. And it's always a point of reckoning for a parent to confront some of the new research out there about praise. Well, and that's also just realizing that we can very easily as parents get into a behaviorist model of thinking Mm -hmm. with our kids where we're like, so the things we want them to do, Mm -hmm. like do a cute piece of art or climb all the way up to the top of something or or clean up their room or get dressed or share or whatever. We're going to praise the shit out of that to reinforce Mm -hmm. that. It's a behaviorist model. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the things that we don't want them to Mm -hmm. do, we are going to punish the shit out of or create a negative association. It's it's the praise punish Mm -hmm. kind of, dichotomy dichotomy and it's based in in a lot of old research with rats Mm -hmm. right laboratory research right in in what uh, makes animals do something versus inhibits them from doing something and that's not how we're raising humans it's not Mm -hmm. actually how humans grow the best it's how we can make them behave the best and they're not spirited or sensitive (laughs) right a lot of us know using punishment and praise on spirited and sensitive kids does not work Right, rightly so, but it doesn't actually, it can work, quote unquote, on any child, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually do what we're hoping it does, which is teach them some fundamental skills, Mm -hmm. give them a sense of self confidence, give them a sense of resilience, Mm -hmm. give them a sense of self awareness and and kind Mm -hmm. of uh, responsibility, right? Motivation. And I think that's, Uh, that's, those are the goggles that we have on when we become parents. We think, okay, so I see something I like. They pull up on a little table or they hand so-and-so a thing or they say, thank you. I want to encourage or, that. I want to encourage that. Right. I want to say, yes, good job. Or you're so strong or whatever. That's going to build their self-esteem, right? And it, is, it has been really interesting seeing a lot of research come out, reading about growth mindset versus fixed mindset and the ways that we as parents can just be like, okay, I might like it. That is, there's no argument, arguing there. I love seeing my child develop and do great things that make my life easier. Love, love, love it. Yes. But we do not have to communicate it in that way to our kids. And if we can communicate it in a more nuanced way, giving different kinds of feedback, for example, just nodding, focusing on the process, focusing Mm -hmm. on the effort, focusing on a specific thing we noticed, showing appreciation or gratitude, 
There's so many ways to be validating, showing pride, showing love that will actually help our kids feel more secure, mm -hmm. right? More confident and more resilient moving <clears throat> forward, right? So the risk, it's a little tricky being a, a kid's parent because mm -hmm. we're, we have the attachment situation. There's a bit of a conflict of interest. So when we praise our kids, we think we're encouraging them, but what we're actually doing is we're conditioning them to behave a certain way, to feel loved, to feel belonging. And we're also uh, kind of unconsciously conditioning them to believe that if they can't achieve that thing, show that thing, be the number one, win that thing, mm -hmm. that then they're naturally unloved or don't have belonging or have lesser value. Or we're not proud of them. So research has shown that when we give our kids a lot of praise, we're actually making them feel more insecure because, and we're also making them try less. They, 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 they're risk-taking, they're, mm -hmm. um, their attempts at going at something and doing something else is actually lowered because they don't want to risk the good feeling that they have and that sense of belonging that they get from doing well. Yeah. So kids who are overpraised, they don't try new things. They don't try hard things. They quit easily very often because they're so stressed that they might not achieve and get that dopamine hit and that yeah. attachment kind of sign from us and that might not be so, all kids yeah. but certainly yeah. sensitive and spirited kids yeah. um who just have more kind of little feelers out in the world or feel things stuff. more deeply and yeah. notice things more strongly and um go through all those things they're they're going to be bumping on whatever the praise is they're going to be noticing hearing thinking what does it mean processing right. it in a way that other kids are like you <clears throat> like my drawing cool i'm just going to keep drawing Right, it's a right. little bit different, and and it's it's a really heavy, hard conversation in a lot of ways. Every time we post about praise, we get a lot of comments being like, "But this is the one thing I know I'm doing very well." And that's so hard. Right. We also get a lot of folks who are like, "Oh my God, that is why I'm a people pleaser mm -hmm. because I was overpraised so much that I basically anything I do or create, I'm not looking to ask myself, did I want to do this? Did I like doing this? How do I feel about what I did? And am I going to do it again?" All we ask, because we were praised so much as children, is saying, who was watching? Mm -hmm. Who's going to um, tell me to do it? Uh, did they like what I did? Mm -hmm. Do they value me? And should yeah. I do it again? So I think the, the big so, question on this rant, yeah. this praise rant, is how often in those moments that we want to praise the shit out of our kids, are we maybe conditioning them to look to the external lens outside of themselves, mm -hmm. outside of their own experience, outside of their own pleasure, outside of their own fulfillment? for someone else's opinion before their own. Mm -hmm. How often are we maybe potentially centering ourselves a little bit or objectifying them or yeah, or making yeah. whatever they're doing. You're running fast or you're really strong or you're such a good big sibling or that painting's so pretty, whatever it is about us and what we think. And what can we be doing instead? What can, how can we be, sorry, I'm doing this face thing. How can we be that neutral, loving, supportive reflector that keeps them tuned in to what they want and they need and they like and keeps them connected to that process and that experimentation, the curiosity that comes with just being them and moving through the world and that being enough. Can we raise kids who dance like nobody's watching? Mm -hmm. Can we raise kids who are not doing everything for the likes, right? Mm -hmm. Who are not doing everything um, and, and a feeling like they don't exist if they're not getting that external validation. Okay. I think that's the that's the the goal, right? Just like we're we're all trying to do as uh, as adults here. How can we be supporting that in our kids? 
I don't know what's up with this light tonight. It's making us look really scary. Okay. okay. There we go. So let's blow through the rest of these here. These are all some really good questions coming up down here. First one from Amy says, I DM'd earlier about my three and a half year old spirited refusing medicine. It's been so hard because he needs it for an ear infection and I hate the, hates the way it feels. I hate the way it feels forcing it on him. Any insight? Yes. We talked last um, podcast and um, uh, IGTV cute live Q&A about consent, mm -hmm. medical procedures, body stuff. Oh, people are, people are saying, mm -hmm. yes, people pleasers <clears throat> unite. A lot of people are connecting <laughs> about that. Um, so yeah, tune into last week's episode mm -hmm. a little bit. But Han, you can talk about medicine. I remember watching you give your daughter medicine for the first time and I was like, God, that's taking oh. forever. Why don't you just shove it down her throat? What's your problem? I know, problem? we had dogs and cats where you would just like jam it in just there. Just hold their the head. Yeah. Just wrench their mouth open and do it. And it's yeah. a breach of consent. And we want to be uh, creating not just a, a strong attachment and trust and relationship, but we want our kids to know that their bodies can't be dominated that way and that they have a right uh, they're the agency, right, to make determinations about themselves, even mm -hmm. if it means they ultimately have to get that drop or that shot or that whatever it is. And so I think that, Amy, you're probably doing all the things. You're probably mm -hmm. talking about the things. You're telling stories about the things. You're giving your child, your four-and-a-half-year-old agency around making choices about when the, 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 uh, the drops are put in. I think so much, like you said, you're so scared about breaking consent. You're also mm -hmm. really eager for him to get over that fucking ear infection. My son mm -hmm. had like six recurring ear infections when he was like two, mm -hmm. and it was so painful to me. I was like, they're blasting his microbiome. I don't want to give this to him. You have to make this work. Mm -hmm. Right. So our stress can sometimes come out in a little bit of anxiety that our kids pick up on. So I think really trying to approach the medicine giving situation with humor, with mm -hmm. innovation and agency and collaboration, yeah. finding in ways to speak their language, use their Legos, use their dolls mm -hmm. to make it happen. Let them hold it and half of it goes out. That's okay. <clears throat> Let them do it on you. Yeah. in some way with water or with something yeah. so that they feel safe. How can you create security for mm -hmm. them in getting that medicine? And sometimes that takes a little script rewrite. So you can yeah. even say to a four and a half year old, medicine's been a little hard. How's your ear doing? Gosh, we have this much more. I'm going to hold the vial up a little bit more, maybe like a couple more days. What do you think? So we got to get that. So what's the best way that you want to take it? I know it's like tastes really weird. So what can we be doing? Can we plug your nose? Because my daughter really started being like, I've actually noticed that that works. It, I can't taste it as much. Should we have a little cup of another flavored thing, some juice or something yummy? So it's like a game. I shoot it in and then you're holding the cup and then you get that in really quick mm -hmm. to help chase it. What can we do? Or would, are you comfy? Do you want to be lying on me like this? And then mom, do you want to be wearing your you know, Superman cape on top of the kitchen table with to, goggles? To do it right? What would help you? And I think that we're not trying to manipulate our kids to take medicine in those moments. We're trying to say, what would help you feel like you can consent to this procedure, right? You have all the information, which I think we always push a little extra hard on. Probably why I don't have so to important. repeat a lot of that. Yeah. I don't have to remember. Right. But I think so much is just saying, how can I loosen up? How can I find a way that makes it feel safe and engaging? Kids sense our anxiety, they sense that, and they resist with their own anxiety. Mm -hmm. So how can we make this collaborative? Yeah. Hope that, that helps a little bit. Yeah, there's no answer other than mm -hmm. attuning to your kid and problem solving through it with <laughs> Experimenting, them. Experimenting, getting yeah. curious, giving it a little space, you mm -hmm. know. And then at the certain point, if you have to get that in there, 
letting them know honestly and saying, so we're going to do this. Like we're in the bathroom here and I'm sitting here where you can't get out. Like mm-hmm. we're here. I'm so sorry. We have to do this. And we're giving them kind of one more, one more last opportunity. Chance. You here. sure you want to hold it? Do yourself. I'm here. Do you want to try it another you? way? Otherwise I have to get it in now. So what I'll do is mm-hmm. I'll probably open your mouth and squirt it in there. You know? Yeah. We're, we're doing it with and, as much consent and of, like preparation as we can, even if they won't ultimately give right. it to and us. And a four and a half year old will at a certain point know that what both sides of the thing. And you might have to show them that once and say, this is what it was when I had to give you that medicine. Yeah. So and that then maybe don't. they have big feelings and they spit it out or they get yeah. really mad or whatever it is. You say, you didn't, uh-huh. you weren't ready. And I wish we, I didn't oh, have to give this to you. We it's needed so to hard. do it. I'm so sorry, honey. Yeah. I know you didn't say, okay, I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. And, and, cop to it. And tomorrow, maybe we can find a way for you to, to be a part of this, for you to help. I want you to want to do it more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said four and a half spirited boy. When is the best time to pull out a sensory box in a bid to manage high energy, seemingly uncontrollable wiggles when super excited? Love that you're thinking nervous system. Mm -hmm. Love that you're thinking super excited. Okay. Needing to manage that nervous system, how to get it. Sensory box. Noticing what our kids are doing when they're really excited and struggling to mm-hmm. stay calm and balanced in their bodies. A lot of people might be wondering, what is a sensory box? What's mm-hmm. going on? And we like to talk about just sensory input or mm-hmm. sensory diets in general from anywhere from a baby through a teenager. We all need it, even as adults. We're like sensory uh, diet. I'm going to be, I'm going to do crocheting. some dishes. I'm going to, I'm going to run. I'm going to hang upside down. I'm going to climb. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to laugh. laugh. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to have sex. I'm going to do anything that's going to help me integrate my nervous system in a way that I need right now. That's going to help me feel safe in my body. And when our kids are getting totally wacko, mm-hmm. right, that maybe they're not feeling safe in their bodies and they're needing and searching for some kind of sensory regulation. So pulling out the sensory box, creating opportunities, putting on the fridge a little menu where they can be like, I want to do the wheelbarrow. I want to do the rollies. I'd like to... Move you know? my hands through lentils right. and beans. That feels so T- good. That to tactile me. sensory input can help mm-hmm. kids a lot. So you need to figure out what, based on your kid, do they want the tactile? If they do, they'll be rubbing stuff all the time. They'll be wanting to deal with liquids throwing and dirt and things, mm-hmm. right? If they're wanting more like large motor or really like large muscle, they'll be pulling things or throwing things, right? Climbing things. Right. So yeah. look to your child to see what it is they're needing and pull out that box. Make that sensory um, mm-hmm. alternative for them. Yeah. And bring your kid in on the process. Yeah. I think even really young kids, we can be saying, we all need things for our nervous systems to feel better. You know, those moments where you're like, I'm so uncomfortable. What's going oh, on? My body, my brain. You know, those moments that our kids are quote unquote misbehaving are a good sign of a a good time to be thinking every couple hours, what can we be doing to support them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that could be, like you said, Hannah, laughing, tickling, pressure on their bodies, brushing, taking out a little brush and just brushing them down. I think so often we think I'm going to help co-regulate and support my kids' emotions by telling them you're okay. (laughs) It's okay. You're fine. I'm here using words. But kids, they, they exist in their bodies. We all do, and we forget and learn mm-hmm. other ways, and we get disconnected. The mm-hmm. kids are so connected to their bodies. So we have to remember that our powers lie in physical attachment, physical integration. They learn through doing. They mm-hmm. show us through behaviors. All of it's good. Yeah. It's all good. Lots of love here for Amy. 
Hey, Lexi. Hey, Betty. Great tips. Amy okay. said I've tried so much, but I like him trying with us mm -hmm. and water. And I definitely need to watch my anxiety and frustrated approach with the medicine. The medicine. Yeah, you bet. It's so stressful and hard when you're on like a dosage schedule and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I think it just, it puts us all in mind a little bit to say anything we really give a shit about, anything we really need our kid to XYZ or not XYZ, how much is our approach informing that? How much is our tone? How much is our energy? Can we just start building a little bit of awareness of how that might be impacting it? Right. And we usually think, mm -hmm. I see this thing I don't like, I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm going to show, create a lot of negativity <laughs> okay, around it. Now the tornado starts. Now they're going to know mama means business. Back to the behaviorist approach that we've all learned, right? right? And yeah. instead, it's so counterintuitive to say, anything I really want to happen or not happen, and I'm seeing resistance or mis quote unquote misbehavior, big feelings about, I want to step back from, I want to de-escalate. I want to connect instead of control. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to create security instead yeah. of insecurity in moments we want our kids to learn from. Mm -hmm. It's really backwards for all of us, for mm -hmm. sure. Do you want to read that one? Sure. Someone said, almost four-year-old boy has become so angry and aggressive with his younger sister who's 10 months and really, everybody. I understand he's having trouble sharing, but the usual empathetic language doesn't work. Mm, what does yeah. work mean? Maybe stop the behavior. So we're back to kind of a behaviorist approach. Yeah. Behaviors are important when you have a 10-month-old baby. You want them to be safe. But we can't stop our kids from wanting to hit or expressing themselves in these ways. We just have to support them through it. Yeah, right? and, and empathetic language is incredibly important for our yeah. kids to be naming their feelings feeling validated, feeling heard, like we said before, identifying feeling emotions and needs, feeling safe in a place to learn, right? But empathetic language is not a tool to stop behavior, right? Right. And neither is our resist approach, which you can download on our website for free. It's not a fix it tool. It's not saying it didn't work. When I ran through these steps in a respectful conversation, they stopped hitting their baby sister, right? <clears throat> or usually if I control them or say, if you do this, no more TV, sometimes that works. And that's the behaviorist model again. Mm -hmm. So I think we want to keep saying we use our words and we use our connection to build trust and to build skills and to pave a pathway yeah. towards learning and scaffolding, skill building, mm -hmm. but not as the be all end all of what our kids unwanted will do. behaviors. Right. Yeah. Those unwanted, quote unquote, <clears throat> unwanted behaviors will happen no matter what. And so at a certain point, our words aren't enough and we need to be in there physically as lovingly as possible, right? So our words can't stop our four-year-old from hitting their 10-month-old sister. Mm -hmm. Our loving intervention will. So we yeah. keep the 10-month-old safely away yeah. from our four-year-old who has impulse control, right? And issues and is challenges, challenges <laughs> and is experiencing a lot of stress from realizing that this new baby's here to stay, right? So, and then we're also supporting lovingly. We're creating security in those moments saying, what do you need? How you doing? Are you struggling? How can I support you? Right? Mm -hmm. We're saving them from themselves. We're helping them attune to the frustration or the anger or the dysregulation, but we're not testing them. Right? We're not just saying, I'm just going to say, oh, or whatever. That might not be enough. You for really them. wanted that, but no, you can't touch it. Right. No, you can't touch it. No, right. you can't touch it. They might somewhere. also, this four-year-old talk about sensory regulation, need to be getting yeah. the, the wiggles and the stress out in other ways. And maybe if they're hitting their, their 10 month old sister, they're needing an outlet to be hitting things. Mm -hmm. They're needing an outlet to be moving their body and expressing that stress in a way that's more mm -hmm. adaptive than beating up on that little baby. Yeah. And always yeah. remember there's a circle back, not yeah. the girl back we grew up with that says, so earlier when you were hitting, here's how, <clears throat> what I think, here's how you can do better and make a better choice next time. 
but the circle back to build security through conflict to say, I see you, I hear you, I validate you, I love you, and I'm here to grow with you, right? And not to change you and to say, this baby's a bomb and just call it out. Mm -hmm. Wow, your little sister, she just started crawling. She's starting to grab your toys. She's making all these noises. This is hard. Mm -hmm. How are you? Right. And listening and not saying I have to be the baby protector. I'm between you and your sibling and you've got to go through me to get to her. But saying you and I, we're pals. I hear that. I I've see that. I've got everyone's that. best interests in mind, including yours. Yeah. You matter too. Yeah. yeah. And knowing that those physical behaviors will stop. Sibling conflict won't <clears throat> always stop. But the more we can normalize it, the more we can create positive associations, the more we can support neutrally, mm -hmm. the better our kids will do together. And I know all three of those things go exactly counter to our cultural conditioning, our conventional wisdom that says, don't normalize that. We don't want them to think it's normal. Don't create a positive association with that. That is negative. That feels like shit. Mm -hmm. ah! Right? And what was the third one? Our role? What? Sure. Our role doesn't have to be hall monitor, police, um, judge, referee. jury, referee, all the things. We can just be that neutral support staff mm -hmm. that's like, I'm seeing this, I'm hearing this, I'm here to stop and intervene physically if I have to, but I'm mm -hmm. with you. And there's no judgment here because mm -hmm. I know, and a lot of us don't know this, so we're saying it for you, that this is all natural and normal and necessary and totally okay. Totally okay. Totally okay. Yeah. We talk about that a lot in our sibling conflict guide and on our right from the start baby course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone else had a struggle with a two-year-old who's throwing everything at you, how to redirect. I would physically move. If it's a two-year-old, instead of saying you can throw that instead of that, it sounds like they're dysregulated. And I would say, it sounds like you're struggling. I'm going to help you to the backyard or I'm going to help you to your room or what are you needing? Mm -hmm. I'm going to help hold your hands. I'm going to stop your hands. I'm, I'm going to show you the objects that you can throw that are hurting or mm -hmm. damaging. I'm going to move them over here. Yeah. You're two years old. You can't stop yourself from doing these things. You're showing me through your behavior you mm -hmm. need help. So I'm going to help you, right? Yeah. By lovingly following through and keeping you and everyone else safe. But that's, that's so counter to our yeah. instinct too. In those moments, yeah. our kids are attacking us. We're under siege from their words or their like belongings flying <laughs> in our faces or they're pulling our hair or scratching us. Yeah. We don't automatically think help, secure, struggling, not an emergency. And those are the things that <clears throat> really are, those are our allies. Mm -hmm. they're, they need help. They're struggling. This is not an emergency. They need security. They need security right now. So that's where we're going to try to That's focus where on. learning happens, right? Right. Someone says, I have such a hard time teaching respect, saying thank you and please. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. this person is probably saying, I have a hard time with the fact that my kid is not saying thank you and please yet. Yet. And I think that what we talk a lot about in our kids' freedom to speak is that they have the freedom to say anything they want and that the sooner we are saying please and thank you and modeling it and not controlling their every word or censoring their every word, the more they're not only going to be saying please and thank you more often or I'm sorry, but they're going to actually feel it and understand it in a genuine way and not a performative way. So keep, keep the saying. The best way to teach it is by doing it. So keep saying please, keep saying thank you, keep saying I'm sorry, and your child will pick up on it in a totally authentic way. Right. Not a robotic way. 
Yeah. Not in a manipulated or pressured way, but in an authentic way where we want them to be mm-hmm. saying please and thank you from an authentic place. And remembering too that the kids say please and thank you non-verbally all the time. They just that. don't always have the exact adult language for mm-hmm. it yet. So recognizing and respecting that our kids are, are showing those things, right? Maybe we can speak their language a little bit in those mm-hmm. moments rather than be controlling them ahead of time to be speaking our language before yeah. they're ready. And those moments often come up in, as a feeling of embarrassment in public where they're not saying thank you to grandma yeah, or whatever it is. And we can say... He's doing that kind of little smile he does when he's feeling happy. I think he's pretty grateful. He's on his way. Or we can say, thank you, Grandma. Right? That's a cool present. Thank you. Thank you. And we can say that and model that and be their spokesman, not the person they're always going to count on to say their pleases and thank yous and I'm sorry's, but the person that says, I'm counting on the fact that you feel that and I'm going to be here to express that for you until you're ready to carry that torch. Right. Someone says, my little guy, just like we feed them until they're ready to feed themselves. We dress them until they're ready to dress themselves. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we say please and thank yous and model that for them until they're ready to say it authentically themselves? It's that middle ground. We're not letting it go. We're not doing it all for them. We're trying to work sensitively. In the middle. It's so hard. Yeah. Someone said, my little guy, three and a half, is very sensitive to others' reactions to him. He's very social but intense. And when peers don't reciprocate his attempts to connect, he gets very hurt. How do I help him? Yeah, he sounds sensitive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the name of the game is security. So we don't have to fix things. We don't have to change things. We just have to help our kids feel safe in the feelings that they're experiencing. That's what creates true resilience, right? We just have to help them move through the feelings and feel safe enough to sit in discomfort, in ambiguity, in curiosity, mm-hmm. in disappointment, in anger and frustration. And know that it's okay that they don't have to go eat something or drink something or do something mm-hmm. or that shove it down, right? That they can just experience it safely. And were that, that, that safe place, that voice to, to put words to those feelings, to help them identify what was at play, right? To help them mm-hmm. feel safe in it and to help them ultimately transcend it, which mm-hmm. they will with our support. We don't need to do anything beyond support. I love that. And that leads right into this question. What about a five and a half, four and a half year old that makes super loud noises at mealtime? I think that mm. we're programmed even from like our, my brother and sister-in-law just had a new baby and I've just been reflecting so much on that new babiness. And, yeah. think, and we also had our right from the start course launch for baby support and thinking we're so indoctrinated into this right and wrong, good and bad like they're, they're doing this, the, the thing that's moving them forward in life, or they're doing this thing that's like, oh, it's not as ideal or it's maladaptive. And it's something we connect a lot with our, our spirited kids mm-hmm. group as well. Right. But to say that if your kid is making super loud noises at mealtime, then they're making super loud noises at mealtime and that's okay. And the question I think isn't how do you stop them from doing it? but why are they doing it? Mm -hmm. Are they having a sensory situation where like a lot of kids will smack and make a lot of noises because Mm -hmm. it's like a a sensory, like, you know, input thing. Mm -hmm. Others will like, maybe they realize that it was a sound that got your attention or created some sort of dynamic. So they're kind of perpetuating that Mm -hmm. or they're trying to connect in an interesting way. My kids really like touching and hugging while they're eating and sitting on my lap. It's like all of a sudden they're eating and they're like, I'm so happy right now. I have to fondle 
whoever is closest <laughs> to me. And it's so, it's like, just stay in your seat. Just, just stay in your just lane. Sitting down. Does your foot have to be up on the table like this with your toes and the food and the stuff? And, right. and they're just, they're eating the way they do. Yeah. And so I think so much about it isn't trying to change them, but it's about trying to understand them. Yeah. Because if we can try to understand our kids, they can try to understand themselves. And, and the goal, which <laughs> we always talk about, isn't socialization, which at mealtimes, our goal can very easily tra- transition mm-hmm. into what's appropriate, what's not. Wipe your mouth, P's and stay in your seat, and all the things. Thank you, no thank you. But we have to remember that before they're socialized, they have to know who they are and what they need, and they have to be okay with that and yeah. be aware of that. But, right. but you're talking about that awareness and that curiosity to understand our kids. And I yes. think that that goes tandem with just awareness. We can't always get to the bottom of why they're making loud noises at the dining table. Yeah. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Just accept that they're doing that right now. Accept that that's what they do as a four and a half year old for this day, this week, this month, and let that be okay. And I think that if you're really triggered about that, mm-hmm. so instead of controlling and putting limits on your child, which we don't, don't know that, don't do which that. we don't know you're doing at all, which but you might feel, you know, compelled to compelled do. to do, which I've felt compelled at the times before. But um, my kids, yes. Um, but you can also always set a personal boundary because we don't want to be shaming our kids. Sometimes if we try to control what they're saying or how they're eating, that can create shame in them. That mm-hmm. can create resistance if they're spirited. So we just want to be careful. We can set a personal boundary. If we don't like the way the sounds are, I have um, what's a misophonia. Mm-hmm. So a lot of loud smacking sounds are really tough for me. A lot of noises are really hard for me to, to handle. My son has it where he's like, you're smacking your lips to his sister because he, he doesn't like the sound of she's it. She's a, a very like, I want right. to say vocal eater. She's yeah. a big vocal eater, right? Mm-hmm. So talking about that and saying, oh, it's a little loud. Could, is there any way? And if they can't, mm-hmm. then that's when I say, well, I'm going to save my food for later. Mm-hmm. Or if I have to go out and take a couple deep breaths and come back, I will. But I'll take that, that control into self-control territory and set a personal boundary instead of trying to control another person yeah. in their body. Or when you decide not to control their body and you d- put out a personal boundary and they're like, nope, still got to do this, and you can't leave, you work on your self-reg game, yeah. you work through the resist approach. This and happens in the car a lot. In connecting yeah. with them and innovating and bringing up other things that went through their day and not to say distracting them, but engage. Mm-hmm. Engage through, engage out, experiment, mm-hmm. see what happens. Right, focus less on the behavior and yeah. more on just them as a human, right? Mm-hmm. How can I engage with this human instead of be like, you know, zeroing in on this behavior that's driving me crazy? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What else? What are folks saying? Oh, um, Lexi, she said, mm-hmm. I've done uh, the, the, just the modeling, the, the manners. And it's, she said she's gotten so many compliments on how well behaved her son is. And it brings her so much joy because she knows it's all genuine. Yeah. There's something yeah. about when our kids say please and thank you. And I'm sorry in a real authentic way that mm-hmm. feels really, really good because we've trusted enough to just model it rather than require it or demand it. And like just realizing there's so much else we can be doing other than just modeling the crap out of, thank you, please, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I don't know, all of those amazing vulnerable statements that take a lot of practice that all of us as adults are still practicing saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I don't know, I need help, all of those Mm -hmm. things. Um, And really just yeah, trusting in the fact that it's going to happen. And then we can storytell outside of it. Gosh, it was so nice of grandma to, to bring you that present. How do you think she found it? Do you think she went to the store? Mm-hmm. Do you think she 
remember that one time you said this about it and then looked it up online and got it and then wrapped it? That is so cool. Or Papa, oh my gosh, this broccoli was so delicious. I saw you working really hard Mm -hmm. on it. Thanks for making that. Yeah. Right? Or I saw that. There's this one time that I... We're thanking our kids about things. Right. I ended, right. Up, I ended up bonking Nani on the head, and I call her Nani, because <laughs> I was frustrated and upset, and I felt like I wanted to say that I was sorry, but I didn't know how to say it, and I ended up just kind of sitting next to her like this a little bit close the next day, and I feel like maybe she kind of got it. And modeling storytelling about vulnerability repair. and repair and gratitude and all of those things, those aren't lost on our kids. They certainly sink in deeper than say, what do you say? Or when you're still the magic word, I need you to go and apologize to this child. What's the magic word? Whatever it is. Totally. Someone said, I'm really struggling. Oh, Mm -hmm. someone said, "Um, I could, oh, what? Yeah, here go the, I'm really struggling. Oops. I'm really struggling with bedtime with my three and a half and five and a half year olds. That's a tough age to be doing dual bedtime. Mm -hmm. I'm just putting that out there. The three and a half had been the most challenging, but they had been completely not listening, talking back, essentially running rampant. Oh, oh. oh absolutely. Bedtimes can be so, so tricky. tricky. Um, we're lucky to... We had the three and a half and five and a half time yeah, split. Yeah, split too. Yeah, but yeah, I was going to really say, we're, we're very privileged this evening to not be doing bedtime and yeah. that our partners were doing bedtime so we could be here connecting with you all. But that's a really hard deal. And we were actually connecting about it with our Spirited Kids Club group about bedtimes and the ways that we can show up in it that can create cooperation and connection and a positive association with this really vulnerable, also vulnerable act of letting go and falling into sleep and in finding sleep and regulating nervous your nervous system. Kids can't fall asleep until their nervous system is relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. And so when kids are not listening, talking back, Mm -hmm. running rampant. They're saying, I've got energy in my body. Mm -hmm. I've got discomfort in my nervous system. I'm imbalanced. I'm needing support or security. And that's the goal we have is figuring out how do we actually make that happen? How Mm -hmm. do we meet their needs and also meet our needs of like getting to bed? That's the idea is how do I go in there with an agenda that's not here's my agenda. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I have some needs and we've got some, you know, family agreement stuff and you've got some needs and you're showing me this. What can we do? Mm-hmm. How can we create a positive association? How can we create this feeling, even if we're not doing anything crazy, of step right on up. Mm. This is a spa treatment. This is a circus. This is a lovely place that you want to be. I want to help you. Instead of get in bed, it's time, or it's late, or no more books, or you've gone too right. far, or those, well, those things that run through our brains so naturally. Yeah, I think when it comes to bedtime, I mean, all of us have, uh, we're just maxed out. We have mm-hmm. nothing left to give at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why bedtime is so hard, because we've completely lost our sense of humor. Mm-hmm. We've completely lost our sense of creativity, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that helps us create innovation and collaboration. And right? can I add one last thing? We, we've lost a lot of that because it's later than normal because it's summer. Right. So mini PSA oh, yeah. to dial back and continuing, continue to try to do those bedtimes as early as possible. Not just when our kids are more able to start winding down, got to have some blackout curtains and things, but when we're more able to show up in a way that's not, I'm at the end of my fucking rope. Because it's getting PM. Right. right. Yeah. Kids need Google. How, how many hours of sleep does my child need? Because pound for pound, a lot of us are not getting enough sleep. It's like 10, adults. It's, on average, it's like 10 to 14 hours for 10 kids. 10 to 14 hours for, yeah, for those over like one or two. 
So it's a lot of hours that they're not always getting. They might be overtired. We definitely recommend getting their sensory integration happening, getting those wiggles out, doing mm-hmm. all that stuff, right? And then figuring out what can I give them agency over to choose for bedtime? And then where do I set a loving limit where I stay? we're in the room now. This is mm-hmm. where we are. I'm not, we're not going out. Or you need to be lying down in your bed. And then unless otherwise I'm going to go out. I would love to be in. here as long as you're lying down. Do you want me to stay or should I go? And they're like, go, stay, 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 stay. Right. And be like, okay. So setting your boundaries too, you know, mm-hmm. you got to see their needs. You got to see to your needs, mm-hmm. but thinking about how can I bring them in creatively, collaboratively, creating nests, you know, figuring out what superhero we can be in bed, mm-hmm. telling stories, yeah. you know, all of those things that that little like white patriarchal voice on our shoulder says, be so permissive. You shouldn't have to do all of these <laughs> things for them. They should just get in bed when you say so. Right. That's right? all you should that's, do. That's the voice on our shoulder that does us such a disservice. It does our kids a disservice because when we're there supporting our kids in finding ways for them to regulate their <clears> nervous <throat> systems and calm their bodies, whether it's a song, a squeeze, pressure, brushing, massage, right? Storytelling, singing, singing, book reading, whatever it is, we are helping them build healthy habits. Healthy. So they're not watching Netflix and drinking and eating chips all night as adults. Right. Really? Right. A lot of adults who don't know how to calm their nervous systems rely on those things to help them find sleep. And we want our kids to be able to find sleep naturally, to be attuned to their bodies, to say, I am so fucking wound up at the end of the day. What does my body need? Mm -hmm. Does it need to move? Does it need to touch? Does it need to think? Does it need to sing? Does it need to read? Does it need to listen? It's a reminder that our kids need that scaffolding because we have that feeling of, I want my kid to be able to fall asleep on their own. So they've got to do it on their own. Or they used to as babies, I would just roll them in and they were fine. Or I want my kid to be able to clean up on their own and be self-reliable and accountable. So go clean up. I need you to practice this. Let me expect you 100% adult skill right now. And everything we're learning through research, through all of our trainings and and child development and how to show up as parents says, they will learn that if we can show up and scaffold that building, that skill building, scaffold that understanding, build connection and positive associations around those things that are so hard that we want to just be like, no, but seriously, just go do it, please. And get the help we need Mm -hmm. in that moment to say, can we pass them off to another caregiver? We don't always have that that opportunity or that privilege, right? Mm -hmm. But when can we get that rest? How can we rest and prepare ourselves before bedtime to really lean in and invest that time? It's a lot about... But there are kids' self-care and and nourishment in Mm -hmm. those moments. It has so much to do with our own capacity based on our self-care and how we've nourished or been able to to see to our own needs during the day. They really come into conflict, right? And those are those great moments that we're like, okay, so it's like 1030. What was a total shit show today? What was so hard? What is the thing that I don't want to be on the phone with my sister? What was the thing that I don't want to be happy houring with my friend? What was the thing that I don't want to bring with my partner because it's so hard? And I'm going to think about that. And I'm going to write that down. And I'm going to consider the ways that I could show up if I prepared a little bit more, if I worked on my approach, if I worked on my tone, if I worked on my self-regulation, if I worked on letting shit go and see what happens and experiment tomorrow about it, right? Someone said, is it okay to express all emotions with kids? Is there age-appropriate emotions to let them see? And so I don't know if you mean as the parent, Mm -hmm. I think kids should be able to express all emotions to us. And we should not express all our emotions to our kids because we're attachment figures and that can make them feel really insecure. 
So we want to be very sensitive and careful as best we can about the emotions we show to our kids and how we show those emotions. So it's one thing to say, oh, I'm feeling a little frustrated about this situation. And it's another thing to just scream in frustration at them or say, you are making me frustrated because we can't, right? So we don't want to put too much pressure and expectation on our kids. Otherwise, they think that their lovability, their belonging, their attachment, their survival, their worthiness relies on pleasing us. So we don't want to raise insecure people pleasers, right? We want our kids to feel safe in their bodies and their nervous systems, Mm -hmm. to know that their needs are going to be met, to know that our own emotions and struggles as parents are not completely dependent on whether they behave or not, right? Whether they struggle or not, right? We have to show them that they can lean on us. We cannot expect them for us to lean on them. Yeah. We cannot have that same codependent mutual relationship. But right? in, those, in those moments when we do struggle with their struggle, when we do feel super challenged by their big feelings and emotions and we lose our shit and we show every spectrum of the emotional landscape, yeah. like this person said, appropriate emotions, right. um, age-appropriate emotions, we can always circle back and say, I'm so sorry earlier. Like, can we just all universally begin every bedtime or every wind down or every cuddle fest evening with an apology? Mm -hmm. Just think about it. Connection. Just really think about something. I'm sure there's something you can apologize for, whether it's, I'm so sorry that we didn't get to spend more time at the pool because we remember that meltdown that they had about leaving the pool. Mm -hmm. Or I'm so sorry that- intro into connection. Or I'm so sorry that I was a little frustrated getting out the door to school this morning. Oh, I felt stressed about getting you there Mm -hmm. and me there. And I'm sorry I was impatient with you about it and I yelled. Or I'm so sorry that 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 getting out of the pool and into the car felt hard. It felt hard for me. How did it feel for you? Right. Right. And we can normalize vulnerability. Feelings and uh, like all those things. Conflict, challenges. And then we can be circling back with ourselves and saying, how can I show up in a way next time that doesn't show this more kind of aggressive form of, of big feelings that might affect my kid right. or their sense of self or their <clears throat> sense of belonging that I don't have to repair for every right. time. Kids are beautifully egotistical. So yeah. they think that everything in the world revolves around them. And some adults have continued to believe that, right? That they never realize that there are separations between self and other self and other people, right? But our kids believe that everything that happens to them is because of them. So if we are screaming Their brains are wired that way. Right. For connection, for attachment, Mm -hmm. for survival. And so then they figure out how to stay surviving, right? And that's Mm -hmm. how they end up pleasing. And that's how they end up shielding themselves and being quiet and staying away, right? Avoidant, right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that nothing we do and show our kids gives them the impression that we're struggling because of them. Because that can can really cause a a lot of complications in their attachment situation. We want to be careful about that. And if we have done that, it's okay. We can always mm-hmm. start repairing and connecting and using powers beyond control in our discipline. And that's what our resist approach is about. That's what our big feelings guide and our shop is about. That's what our um, Spirited Kids um, small group coaching club is about too, is saying, how can we change up what we're doing to not be centering ourselves, to be caring for ourselves as parents, but not be centering ourselves with our children and saying, wait a second, what's my job to serve this tiny child ultimately? Yeah. Let's show up and grow up with that, you know? Yeah. 
And serving them so that they can continue to serve themselves and really. others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing. Those who serve others well often and hopefully are serving themselves as well. That's mm-hmm. the goal. Yeah. Thanks for tonight, everyone. Amy said, Grandpa said, what's the magic word to my son? We don't say that to him because we model. But my son replied, abracadabra. <laughs> I love that. Oh, magic. That, that is a magic word. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Grandpa just give him a look. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all um, for being thanks, here. Thanks, everyone. We'll, we'll see you all next week. Yes, you're doing an amazing job. You should be proud of yourself. We're proud of you mm-hmm. and the job we're all doing in creating uh, not just sanity in our own homes, but greater social change by the way we're parenting. So you're doing the work um, and you should feel proud of yourselves. Even just for showing up here, thinking about these things, doing this work. However, um, however you're here, it's wonderful. So... Thank you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you all soon. Bye.